My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 2,100 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years experience in the technology and aviation industries. Here we go. We're at the Plane Talk cockpit, Edenvale Municipal Airport in scenic downtown Edenvale, Ontario, part of the Kasara training exercise with some really cool folks I'd like to uh, welcome into the uh, Plane Talk cockpit, Captain Marty Zimmer, Royal Canadian Air Force. He's uh, the Kasara Liaison Office. And before I forget, Marty, let us uh, thank you for your for your service. And Terry Nord, he's the Director of Operations of uh, Kasara. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for thank having you. us. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. It's quite the training exercise uh, today. A bunch of ground vehicles, aircraft, over almost 50 folks, uh, both Kasara and, of course, uh, the Royal Canadian uh, Air, Air Force. Uh, uh, Terry, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Kasara? Um, yeah, Kasara is a, is a national Canadian organization, stands for Civil Air Search and Rescue Association. It's been um, in a place for just, I think this is our 35th year. Uh, we've got close to 2,000 volunteers across all 10 provinces and the three territories. Uh, as I said, all volunteer. I uh, got access to over uh, 200 aircraft. Uh, for air search. Uh, we also have ground search teams and now um, uh, working with uh, the remote uh, piloted uh, uh, aircraft system, uh, also known as a drone, uh, to support um, the uh, RCAF, and in our case in Ontario, 424 Squadron out of Trenton, and also the Joint Coordination Centre out of Trenton for uh, search and rescue. I think, as you said, we've got 200 aircraft supporting the RCAF nationally. Uh, and that's national. There's some owned, some rented. Uh, that, that, uh, we have access to that. Uh, we fly, obviously, we fly less than that. But uh, uh, through the uh, private ownership and the, uh, the rental program. And Canada is such a large place and with limited resources within the, uh, the military. Marty, it must be just super awesome to have the folks with Kasara filling the gaps. Yeah, it's uh, that's one of the biggest challenges right now within the National Search and Rescue Program is uh, the huge size of Canada and the limited resources we have. So the Royal Canadian Air Force um, <coughs> provides primary search and rescue aircraft to the Joint Rescue Coordination Centre to respond to aeronautical and maritime incidents. And we do support the province at times under what we call a humanitarian role, which is missing persons, missing swimmers, and so on. But uh, again, uh, with the limited resources we have, we rely on uh, Casera as a volunteer organization to give us some additional search and rescue um, aircraft that we can, we can employ under JRCC. And it must be kind of like looking for a needle in a haystack. Well, we have uh, we do a lot of training, and that's what the exercise here is this weekend because we uh, got nine zones in Ontario: Thunder Bay, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Sudbury, North Bay, uh, New Liskard, uh, Edenvale, which is here, as well as Ottawa, Niagara, St. Catharines, and London. Uh, we got five of the zones here, and what we're doing is simulating. Uh, uh, looking for a downed aircraft simulated 
and uh, we've got five aircraft and four ground crews that we uh, put through our training, various search patterns. Uh, we put uh, simulated targets out as well as radio beacons for us to train. I seem to recall that you folks found that missing Cessna caravan. Over the last few years, we have had a few major searches. So the Joint Rescue Coordination Center is responsible for, as I said, launching uh, air assets when an aircraft goes missing. But if it's if we can't locate it within a short period of time, then we go what's called major, and this is where we start bringing in uh, a lot more aircraft. And Casera is one of the major players. So they'll they'll bring um, five, seven, sometimes even more. And uh, more important is spotters, because a lot of it is searching massive amounts of area with with people on board looking out the window and uh, Kisero trains uh, their spotters and we put them in all of the Air Force aircraft as well as uh, other organizations that help support us like the uh, we've had Coast Guard and some of the police services as well so yeah we were bringing together large amounts of aircraft I think on that particular major search we had about 12 uh, aircraft involved and Kisero is one of the major players they had uh, three or four involved I think uh, if I remember on that one so um, this orga, uh, exercise this weekend is an opportunity to try and get all the aircraft together and sort of uh, reenact that type of an event working, managing lots of resources within a small area. So it's keys that when the real operation happens, everybody knows the, the policy and procedures and we're ready to go. I guess training is all about committing process procedure to muscle memory so that when a, a, a real tasking occurs, everyone knows what to do, when to do, how to do it, and execute the tasking safely, efficiently, and effectively uh, with hopefully the best possible outcome, finding some folks stuck in the bush. And, that, and that's, that's the focus, uh, particularly now with, uh, uh, we have a lot of uh, technology that we use. In the old days, we, of course, had to use maps, but now we have technology such as ForeFlight, and we use another device called InReach for air-to-ground communication. Fortunately for us, uh, we're able to fund that, and the military helps us fund the new equipment based on, a, in a, on an annual budget. We have uh, what we call a contribution agreement that is a five-year term that defines how much funding we get from the Department of National Defense, and we're able to uh, spend and invest in a lot of new technology, and particularly now that we're in the RPAS uh, drone business, uh, it's, uh, it's moving very quickly. Talk about uh, RPAS for a moment and how that technology uh, aids in a search. Casera is, is the lead right now in a lot of this new technology. So we're just implementing a new program where we're, we're taking drones and using them in a smaller box. So uh, if you think of a major search where we're going to launch an aircraft uh, and look for an area, if we have a higher probability area, then we can, we can put a drone into that area. And we've been testing... Uh, what now, two years, I think, Terry, yes. uh, the different variety of R-passes. And we started out with a basic small one that, you know, you can buy off the shelf kind of thing. And now we're getting into more advanced with uh, forward-looking infrared and uh, laser-guided distances. And, wow. uh, yeah, there's some pretty amazing kit. And we've already employed them several times in cases uh, locating missing persons. And Casera uh, has been supporting the um, provincial police authorities, too, looking for missing persons. So this is something that's expanding, and we're, we're trying to get all the units now 
basically qualified with, with this kit. So it's kind of an exciting time right now. Part of my aviation DNA goes back to the 70s building and flying radio control model airplanes. They That's one of my hobbies as well. So uh, so this is advancing on that, but again, it's, it's just one additional uh, capability that, that Casera is bringing to the table right now. As we said, if we have effective technology, can aid in a search and getting people found faster. Absolutely. Timeliness is the most important thing in any SAR case for, uh, you know, trying to make sure that we can bring the loved ones back home. And uh, as it, the days go on, it's the outcome is not as, as successful, unfortunately. So that's why we want to do things as quickly as possible. I was quite surprised to hear on the Cessna Caravan search that the uh, aircraft had launched without an ELT installed. Yeah, that's my understanding. So myself, I'm a qualified search master. Unfortunately, I was not particularly, Terry and I were not involved in this particular case because we were actually teaching a search master uh, course in the Coast Guard College at the time, but we were following the case. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, from the commercial side right now, most commercial operators have to have some form of ELT. Yeah, I, I don't have the details why it wasn't installed. I think there were some maintenance issues going on, but because there was no ELT on board and the area was covered very quickly in the first uh, early moments of the aircraft missing uh, and we couldn't find the aircraft, that's why uh, Joint Rescue Coordination Center decided to kind of go major right away and we started bringing a lot more aircraft into the, uh, the search efforts. So. Yeah, personally, I'm a belt and suspenders kind of guy. We've got, uh, in the aircraft I fly, a 406 ELT, and of course I carry a, a, a few personal locating devices as well as a personal locating beacon so that in the worst case scenario, I'll be uh, sitting on the ground as the Sartex uh, parachute in with the, the T going. Absolutely. I mean, 406s are so important these days. The Canadian Mission Control Centre, CMCC, which is co-located with JRCC in Trenton, uh, holds the beacon registration for all 406s. So if they're registered and a beacon goes up uh, within a matter of uh, minutes, uh, the air coordinator who's running the case can make some calls and find out, in effect, if there is in effectively uh, an aircraft that is in distress or not. And uh, it'll reduce us launching our primary SAR assets on uh, false cases, and we can solve it fairly quickly. Whereas if you compare that to you know a case with the 121.5 only, right now the only way we were made aware of that is from typically high flyers and now we've got a launch aircraft trying to home it and it takes a considerable amount of time so it's a quicker response with a 406 for sure yeah the search area of course i go back to grade 13 math but <laughs> pi r squared yeah being the distance of a search area based upon uh, the radius one i think one of the the benefits of the personal locating devices like the on reaches that you folks use is the ability to drop breadcrumbs and subsequently reduce the radius of the uh, of a search. Yeah, so that's that's very important in the investigation stage. Like if you can't find the aircraft right away, then looking at all these uh, other ways of trying to determine what the uh, the aircraft uh, whereabouts or intentions were helps uh, helps in locating it. So, what's some of the coolest SAR cases that you've prosecuted? Well, I don't know if you'd call them cool, but some of the ones that are uh, challenging, I think, you know, as I said, the major cases are quite challenging. Over the course of the last three years, I've been involved uh, as the search master running three major cases. Terry was uh, one of my assistants as well. We haven't done those in quite a few years, and we thought with a lot of the new technology coming online, such as GPS and uh, ADSB and those things, that people would, it would be quicker and easier to find people, but it seems people are relying on a lot of these things uh, or 
don't seem uh, that they need it. Uh, cell phones are, and apps seem to be playing a large part. People feel that you know if they've got a cell phone, we're going to kind of know where they are, and unfortunately, that's not the case. So we still need to rely on the specific uh, you know beacons, uh, distress beacons, ELTs, and so on, so that we can alert, be alerted quickly. Yeah, and uh, just you know, one of the other comments I don't want to forget is our uh, other SAR partner volunteer organization is the Canadian Coast Guard Auxiliary that are attached to the Canadian Coast Guard, and we work very closely with both of those. So we've got the RCAF, Casera, Coast Guard, and Coast Guard Auxiliary, particularly on the lakes, uh, Lake Ontario, uh, Lake Erie. I think we had 14 cases last year of persons in the water overdue, most of them without life vests. And we're out there, uh, got some pretty neat uh, technology that we'll show you later with cameras. Uh, we're able to take pictures uh, from the aircraft, um, camera uh, mounted on the underwing. We do a lot of joint training with uh, our Coast Guard friends. Oh, that's really important. There's so much water in Canada, so many boaters, leisure folks. And as you said, a little sad that folks aren't going out without proper life jackets. And certainly get quickly outside of cell phone range. I mean, I personally on that flight from uh, Toronto to Ottawa in the middle of nowhere and with personal locating devices being so inexpensive, hundreds of dollars to buy and under $200 for an annual subscription. Absolutely. Yeah, it's personal protection, right? Everybody should be making sure that they're they're putting means in place that uh, if something goes wrong, but... Most people don't think it's going to happen to them until it does, right? Hope for the best, but plan for the worst, I suppose. Yeah. Any final words, guys? Well, I just want to say from an Air Force point of view, we have uh, highly trained and dedicated uh, personnel at the squadron that, uh, you know, our our job is to uh, go out and search for those that get themselves in harm's way. And uh, we couldn't do it without the support of uh, our civilian organizations like Kisera, and Coast Guard Auxiliary and, you know, other members. But um, together we work together uh, to make sure that, you know, we're doing a, providing a SAR timely response within Canada. So any final words, Terry? Uh, yes, I'd just like to uh, thank our many, many volunteers. Uh, our volunteers come from all walks of life, uh, some of them with an aviation background, a lot of them uh, pilots and navigators. But uh, we have many of our spotters that have no aviation experience but join because they want to volunteer and in a lot of cases our best spotters are people that have never flown before and uh, very soon become committed to uh, our cause that uh, others may live. You know I have to say after interviewing this morning a bunch of of the uh, Casera volunteers there was really a, a very consistent message volunteering giving something back saving lives and thank you gentlemen for really being part of something that's absolutely mission critical to Canadian uh, society and again thank you so much for being part of the Plain Talk cockpit. Our our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming Phil. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plain Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plain Talk episode please go to the contact us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast. And never stop living the dream.